Welcome to another episode of the Fertility Podcast. I've got my numbering all wrong. If you've been following my episodes chronologically, I missed out episode 69, but I don't feel I can go back, so just ignore the numbering. Welcome. How are you? If you've just found this podcast, I hope you're okay. This podcast is for anybody who has found their route to parenthood, basically hasn't been straightforward and isn't seeming to be straightforward. It's possibly seeming pretty overwhelming you might be in a bit of a dark place if so what I want to say to you is that you're not alone if you've looked online at all especially on Twitter there's an amazing community of people who are sharing their fertility journeys now I had fertility treatment in 2014 my husband and I we've got a little boy about to turn two I'm talking to you on the 28th of February 2017 and I wanted to make this podcast to give this issue a voice and I've actually just been going through some of my old episodes and it is amazing how many of us struggle in silence. So if you're listening to this and you haven't yet spoken to anybody about how you're feeling, just have a listen and then maybe have a think as to whether you'd be okay, what would be the worst that could happen if you did tell somebody else and honestly it would, it would really lift the weight from your shoulders. So I need to do another little disclaimer about this next episode because last week in the UK, so we're talking February 2017, there was this storm, Doris, and she was kind of lashing my window quite a bit whilst I was trying to record some podcasts and it was affecting the connection that I was having. So you're going to hear a couple of chats, which at times seem a little bit Dalek-y, let's say. It's just a little forewarning. If, if there does sound like any kind of technical hiccups, blame the weather. I'm being typically British and I'm blaming the weather. So I'm focusing for this episode and the next episode on endometriosis, which is not spoken about enough. And I'm personally learning more and more about it and I'm just stunned to hear how many women are suffering in silence and how misunderstood this condition is. So we're going to hear from a lady I met on Twitter about her experience dealing with endometriosis and then we're going to hear from Emma Cox who is the Chief Executive Officer of Endometriosis UK. Wherever you are in the world this is a relevant issue for you too. If just started to feel some pain or you're sick of not having a diagnosis for what you're going through then have a listen to some of the tips and suggestions of symptoms in this episode and then have a look online and find a support group. I'll put all the show note details at the end of the episode. Do make sure that um, you've signed up to keep getting this podcast either at thefertilitypodcast.com where you can give me your email or you can subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher or Spreaker. There's loads of different ways that you can listen. And at the end of the episode as well, I'm going to tell you how you can show your support for this podcast because it's just me in my little booth bringing you hopefully what is really useful information and if you are able to support me in any way it will just make such a massive difference. I'll tell you all of that once I've given you some interesting stuff to think about. So have a listen. This is Claire. And I'm now going to welcome Claire, who I met on Twitter. Her Twitter handle is EndoLadyUK. And I was keen to chat with Claire about endometriosis, ahead of Endometriosis Awareness Week. Claire, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Hi, I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. No, it's a pleasure. And I was really keen to get you just to talk about your journey, because I think that with fertility issues, people hear about endometriosis quite a lot, but they don't necessarily understand what it is and, and how much of an impact it can have on your life. So let's just start with when you found out that this was what was 
was causing your health to decline because as you say on your blog you had a really kind of full and active life and then everything took a serious nosedive what started the further investigation into how you were feeling it's a very long drawn out story for me really i mean from the age of 11 i'd always had terrible sort of period pain um that would sort of knock me out for about five days a month um I'd always just been told that was normal, really, by my GP, and I've never been referred or anything like that. Then, um, when I was about 20 years old, I had I started experiencing all these sort of other symptoms as well. So um, I was experiencing sort of chronic fatigue, uh, chest pain, bladder pain, bowel problems, um, all that kind of glamorous stuff. Yeah. Um, and so I was actually seeing a gastroenterologist because my bowel symptoms at the time was, were the worst. Um, and I had an MRI scan and that picked up a massive uh, cyst on my right ovary. Um, so then I was referred to a gynecologist, had a laparoscopy, which is a sort of a keyhole surgery. That's when I was diagnosed with endometriosis. You know, when I looked into it, because I never really heard the word before, made a lot of sense and explained all the different symptoms I've been experiencing. So just to explain what endometriosis is, because it, it affects quite a lot of your body, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it can affect most sort of systems and, and organs in the body. It's a little bit complicated in a sort of nutshell. It's where cells that are similar to the cells that are found inside the womb, they're found outside the womb on other organs and tissues. And they behave in exactly the same way as the cells inside the womb do. So they build up over the month in response to hormones. And then during the woman's period they break down and bleed but obviously the blood doesn't have anywhere to go so it, it gets trapped and it causes all sorts of like inflammation in the body and scar tissue to form and um, a lot of pain and things as, and complications as a result of that they can be found in in lots of different places in the body like i said as well like for me you know they were found in my bladder my bowel my lungs you know all, all sorts of places that you never expect to have something that's a, a women's issue or a gynecological issue because on your blog you've got a really interesting diagram of the female body with like the red area of pain is is that what you've just described is that the areas that you feel pain during your periods yeah so I think pain diagrams are a really good way of sort of communicating to other people your pain because obviously they can't see it and and if if, uh, if you're diagnosed with a with a condition that most people associate with pelvic pain you know trying to communicate to them that actually you know the pain is for me it's different for every woman with endometriosis but for me the pain is throughout my body you know down my legs my back my shoulder my abdomen it's it's you know it, i think it's a good way to communicate that to other people who can't experience or feel your pain for themselves so how has that affected your everyday life are you on constant pain management for a while, I'd say for about five years, things were pretty terrible. I think uh, pre-diagnosis, probably the five years were sort of the dark years for me and just affected everything. Um, I started, stupidly started a PhD at the same time as all my symptoms kicked off. I couldn't keep up with, with that or or couldn't keep down a job and I was absolutely convinced I was going to die, which is quite distracting. Yeah. Um, yeah, so um, I was on, I was on um, the contraceptive pill Um sort of to help at that time but for me it kind of as my symptoms got worse it was less and less effective when so, you say yeah. you're on the contraceptive pill to kind of help with hormones is that what they thought would help yeah so a, a lot of approaches to endometriosis management like one approach is is sort of reducing the number of periods you have or, or putting something you know to sort of stabilize your hormones more in that way in the hope of of suppressing the endometriosis um a little bit and its effects um that kind of stopped working for me but about 
a year and a half ago now, I had a big surgery, what what we call an excision surgery, where my endometriosis was sort of cut out of me. And um, since then, I've been feeling a whole world better, actually. I'm not really taking any medication or, or pain management stuff at the moment, which is wow. incredible. So they could pinpoint yeah. it to a specific place. You said that previously there'd been that cyst. Is that where they went? Yeah, so they removed that cyst and then they basically, they can see it during surgery. So, you know, they're going in there with a little sort of camera and looking around and then they're able to what we call excise it so kind of cut it out at the root kind of thing where they can see the endometriosis around other organs and things to sort of take it all out and since then I've you know I felt a whole world better I, you know I spent 15 years thinking this was kind of my lot sort of mm. pain wise so now to be you know in such a better way is sort of it's still amazing to me. How has that affected your fertility if you don't mind me asking and where are oh, you with that? The day that I was diagnosed with endometriosis I woke up from from that first surgery and um you know I was hit with this new word endometriosis that I'd never really heard of before and um because of of how severe that my endometriosis was I was advised that fertility is going to be a problem for me but to probably you know start trying sooner rather than later and to, you know just seek help how old were you then I didn't have any look I was 12 how old was I then I was 26 I think and were you in yeah. a relationship? Yeah, I was engaged at the time, actually. But I'd never, I, you know, babies were something in, in the future for me. Mm. You know, not too far away in the future, but it hadn't been at the forefront of my mind. So that was quite a shock to hear that. Since then, I've got married and um, I've been trying for about 13 months now and nothing's happened, unfortunately. So I'm, I'm currently, I've been to see my GP and I'm awaiting further investigations now and a referral to a clinic fertility clinic okay so there is the assumption that you you might need fertility treatment oh yeah i mean they basically said that was going to be a foregone conclusion for me anyway and now that has turned out to be the case unfortunately right a lot of women with with endo you know can go on to conceive naturally and without help but unfortunately for some of us and for some of us with more sort of severe endo um we do need some help and how have you found writing your blogs helped you? Oh, I'm jo- I'm so glad I started the blog. I completely agree that having a blog is really cathartic. I definitely encourage other women to give it a go. It's incredible just to get all these sort of feelings and, and sort of crazy things that you're going through just, you know, out of your head just and to just as a way of processing them. It's super helpful. Um, obviously, fertility issues and, and periods and women's health things aren't the easiest things to talk about with other people in your life and your colleagues and things so um it's a really good way to sort of deal with those emotions and and um, express what you're going through I never really expected anyone to read my blog I just really started it for me just as a way of just writing my experiences down really and keeping a record of things but I've had women from all over the world thousands of women and um, get in touch with me um to say that they relate to what I've been writing about and also to tell me their own stories as well so that's been really incredible there's been some people as well that I've you know kept in touch with and developed really good friendships with and we're able to support each other and uh, get to know each other better and it's yeah that's been really helpful and incredible I never expected that because I will put a link to your blog on the show notes and I love that at the end of last year 2016 you did your kind of roundup for endometriosis uh, yeah. with that stat one in 10 women affected which I don't think people realize how realize I know people... it's uh, it's such a hidden it's such a hidden illness so many people either 
don't know they have it because of sort of diagnostic delays. Um, it takes an average of seven and a half years for women in the UK to be diagnosed wow. um, from experiencing their first symptoms. So there's that side of it. And then also many people with the condition, you know, choose to keep it quite private and, you know, don't, you know, shout it from the rooftops. I mean, I don't know. I'm compelled to shout it from the rooftops. I don't really know why. Um, but, you know, many people keep it more private. So I suppose it's not as out there as many of the as many of the conditions are. The disease itself is quite complicated and it can present in lots of different ways. So, you know, as I mentioned for myself earlier, I was getting, you know, really, really severe diarrhea all the time at one point, which is disgusting and unpleasant. Um, But so my GP didn't automatically think, you know, oh, that's probably endometriosis. I was referred to a a gastro clinic and investigated for things like Crohn's disease and things instead Um, so so there's things like that I think it's been established as quite poor awareness of endometriosis in sort of GPs and health professionals and in in the community at large I had all the symptoms of it and I never thought oh it's probably this I'll go and discuss that you know because people haven't heard of it and it's not the first thing that people think of the only way to be properly diagnosed with endometriosis is through surgery as well there isn't um, a sort of simple diagnostic test so that sort of delays diagnosis as well what would you like to see happening would you like it taught in schools i definitely think you know teaching it in schools around you know because i mean everyone does receive some sort of basic education don't they around Mm. uh around periods and things and really i think providing more insight at that time about you know sort of warning signs to look out for and sort of different things that could be going on there would be you know so helpful and one way to start breaking down this sort of barrier and all this sort of um, mystique and lack of knowledge that there is about the condition because it's so important and it's so common like as many women in the UK have endometriosis as have diabetes wow. you know but everyone's heard of diabetes haven't they <laughs> I would say do your research the endometriosis UK website is a fantastic source of information so I would recommend firstly you know doing your research maybe start there it can also be really useful to keep um, a symptoms diary over perhaps one to two months because obviously the symptoms you know sort of change over the menstrual cycle with with your hormones and things so that can be a really useful way of sort of tracking what's going on and then yeah definitely the first point of call after that would be going to discuss your concerns with the gp claire it's been lovely to chat to you and i really think your blog is is brilliant and i hope we can keep in touch and um are you doing any specific activity over endometriosis awareness week a few articles in the pipeline that i'd like to get out there and i'll also be going on the endometriosis march as well which takes place in london for the uk there's other places in the uk it takes place in as well okay um where we all march in yellow which is the color of uh, endometriosis to raise awareness really well we'll make sure um, we so get more one. details of that <laughs> good all right, Claire, thank you for your time. It's been lovely chatting. Thank you too. Thanks so much. Now, the more I was learning about endometriosis, I then found the charity Endometriosis UK. And as this podcast is coming to you just before we start March 2017, next month is a big awareness push for endometriosis. They kind of start with the week of the 1st of March, but really it's activity all through the month. I was trying to pin down Emma Cox, who's the chief executive of the charity, to find out what it's all about and what they're doing to raise awareness for people like Claire, who you've just heard, and maybe people like you. So here's Emma to explain more. So we're a small charity and we do four areas really. So we provide information, provide support, 
raise awareness and campaigning. So I'll tell you a little bit about those. One of the key things is accurate information. With di- average diagnosis time being about seven and a half years, so that's seven and a half years on average from when someone goes to their GP with symptoms and they're quite often diagnosed with IBS or they're sort of not really taken seriously. So one of the key things to do is provide information that's accurate and so women can have a source that they can then go to, you know, try and raise uh, awareness themselves and get their diagnosis done. We provide support through a range of things like local support groups, an online support group for those who can't access that. We have a health unlocked forum which has about over 20,000 people on it actually who can questions and try and get support um, and we have a helpline where people can ring up it's staffed by volunteers a few hours a day doing that and uh, talk to someone who's got a lot of experience and help them with their issues you sort of hit the nail on the head which is around awareness unfortunately for both the public and healthcare professionals, awareness isn't what we'd like it to be, hence the seven and a half years time to diagnosis. So uh, one of the things that we're going to be you know, launching quite shortly is a more an awareness campaign to try and raise the issue of the symptoms. And also with healthcare professionals, so I'm working with the Royal College of GPs and the Royal College of Obstetrics and Gynaecology to look at how we can improve education uh, for you know doctors want to help it's just we need to get them aware of what the issues are and then we do a whole load of campaigning as you'd imagine with government and uh, things like that I could go on but I should I stop there stop there for a sec because one thing that seems really apparent from the little bit of investigation I've done is like you've said this lack of understanding with the medical professionals and when women are going to them with a variety of symptoms that it's not even being flagged it's not in that top list of things that it could be and I I wonder why that is I'm I'm guessing here but I think a few reasons I think first because it's not actually that well known still because it doesn't show up on scans and because it doesn't show up on MRIs you can't see it on x-rays it's quite hard to see what it is and I think really it's also quite complicated so endometriosis is where cells similar to those lining the womb are elsewhere in the body um, and they follow the menstrual cycle and they then bleed but there's nowhere for the bleeding to go unlike a period and so they sort of literally build up into adhesions and can um, literally stick organs together like the ovaries and the fallopian tubes and because it grows in different places on each woman it's pretty hard to diagnose because everyone's symptoms are quite different someone might go in saying they've got you know pelvic pain and also they have problems with bowel movements where someone else might have some completely different symptoms and I think unfortunately what tends to happen is someone goes in saying you know I'm having bad you know really bad period pains or pains pelvic pain and they get put on the pill and then they're talking to their practice nurse about those aspects of their symptoms and then if they have bowel problems and quite often because if you have a growth on your bowel obviously if that swells at certain times of the month that can cause real problems with constipation for example, you would talk to your GP who isn't looking at it in the holistic light. Does that sort of make sense? I think one of the challenges we have is trying to get doctors to understand that there's a range of symptoms and that these symptoms are taken seriously. So the pelvic pain, chronic pain, etc. And also the symptoms for endometriosis are symptoms for other conditions. And really, I'm in my mind quite an easy way of doing a flow chart and getting GPs to just take women through explaining what the different symptoms could be linked to, ruling out the things they can. And then if there's endometriosis, which is only detected through surgery, getting that referral onto secondary care. And in my mind, that shouldn't take more than a few months. Now, we're talking about one in 10 women being affected by this. So the numbers aren't small. So I'm confused as to, 
Are women not going to their doctors about the pain? Because surely if, if there's this many women going to their GPs, surely the similarities and the kind of symptoms that doctors are hearing, there's not more, I don't know, examples for the doctors then to, to refer to. I think firstly, we don't really know what causes endometriosis. There's various theories. So there's uh, one theory is that it's a retrograde menstruation. So when you have a period of it goes backwards through the flow tubes and gets into your body. But that's only one theory. There are other theories. And certainly we get a lot of reports of uh, pet of it running in a family. So mothers have had that. But what's happened with our society is that mother, you know women are having children later and later. And so when you know, I was talking to someone who's, you know, grand had, she didn't have her first period until she was 16. Um, <clears throat> she got married at 19. She had several children. She was a good Irish uh, girl. She always had bad periods, but she only had a few periods in her life between having a late starting her periods and then having children. Whereas now women, they're in their, their 30s. And so that, I think we're having more, more women are having more periods in their life. But also, you know, and I was talking to Alice the other day. Now, Alice is uh, 21 and um, has endometriosis. And when she, she had it, unfortunately, very young, and when she was 13 or 14 and said to her mum, I have real pains, unfortunately, her mum sort of said, well, you know, I do too, just get on with it. That's what happens in our family. And I think there's this, this double whammy. If you have this, you don't know what's normal. You can't gauge pain in some ways between others. And quite often, especially young girls who get it, are told they're making it up. They're just getting attention-seeking. And in Alice's case, I think she went to A&E maybe, I think it was over five times, having passed out with the pain before she was believed that she was just attention-seeking. So, yeah, there is something around. We just need to pull these symptoms together. So we need to pull these symptoms together and believe that people aren't aren't making up that they're in agony. I mean, why people think somebody would do that, I I have no idea. So let's just talk a bit about Endometriosis Awareness Week. This actually kind of goes on for a whole month, you've said, and, and what I want to do with our, our chat with, with the podcast is is just try and, I suppose, help with raising awareness. And so if people are listening, there's things that they, they might have experienced that they might then go to your website. And I know that there's things that we, we have to wait till Endometriosis Awareness Week till we can talk about, but symptoms-wise... From an awareness point of view, you've mentioned a few. Is there a kind of checklist that we can try and drum into people that, that if they're experiencing this, to, to, to go and seek help? What would the first port of call be to phone you guys to get a bit more information? There are a variety of symptoms and not everyone will get all of them. I think the most common ones that people notice are painful, heavy or irregular periods. Pain during or after sex painful bowel movements fatigue can be one and also sort of chronic pain in terms of pelvic pain that lasts or is interfering with your life and we say that if if you're having problems around your periods or other pain and it isn't always around periods because um, it can be when someone's ovulating which we don't all know when that is but if you're having pain that is interfering with your day-to-day -day life you should get checked out by a GP and so if people uh, go to our website they can get the details of what the symptoms are are. We also have a pain and symptoms diary and one of the things that's really great and very helpful for GPs is if women can keep a list of when they, when and where they felt pain at what times in the month. 
And I think that it's that having with endometriosis, often it's cyclical, so it'll be the same time each month. Um, and then that gives an indication that it's it's linkly cyclical. Um, and again, there's a pain symptoms diary that people can download. And if you think about it from a GP perspective, they tend to have between about six and 10 minutes per patient. So everything you can do to help them and steer them in terms of being clear about what your symptoms are and when will be helpful for you getting the right diagnosis. Brilliant. That's really useful. All right, Emma, we'll leave it there. And best of luck with um, endometriosis week. We will talk again just before it and find out exactly what's going to be happening. So thank you. We'll thank talk you. again just before it and find out exactly what's going to be happening. I do. So yes, thank you. Do. No, thank you. So that was Emma Cox, Chief Exec of Endometriosis UK. And I'll put the details of the charity and also of Claire, who you heard previously, of her blog, how you can follow them all on Twitter, at the show notes, which are thefertilitypodcast.com forward slash endo, E-N-D-O really easy now i mentioned at the start of this episode ways in which you could support the podcast because i've set up a patreon page so if you check out patreon.com forward slash the fertility podcast and again if you're on the move i'll put all the links on the show notes basically what it means is you can become a patron of this podcast and by giving a tiny little bit of money every month you can help me continue to make this content because I don't get any money for making this content. I'm just doing it as somebody who's been through fertility treatment who's got, I suppose, a curious mind and can't believe how many people are still struggling and also how many people are willing to talk to me. So whilst there's still people willing to talk to me and experts who I can get to give their opinion on breakthroughs in the fertility industry or well-being experts who can help you find a better place in your head to deal with all of this stuff then I'll continue to make this podcast and it would just be brilliant to get some support from you so the details are on the show notes of my Patreon page it's all different levels basically it's like the cost of a cup of coffee every month if you feel like it and that would help me buy my own cup of coffee no I'm joking that would just help me cover some of the costs for this podcast and make it even better because I really want to up my game this year in 2017 so whatever you can do to support me amazing if you can't don't worry at all I know if you're having to fund your fertility this is the last thing that you want somebody else asking you for bloody money when all these clinics seem to be asking you to so just enjoy the content it's always going to be available for free i'm just trying to get a little bit more going on in the backgrounds so make sure you've signed up at thefertilitypodcast.com to keep getting episodes and i really hope this was of interest to you and if there's anybody that you know who always seems to have a problem with their period like they'll always duck out of nights out or they'll seem to make a real fuss about the pain that they're feeling and you're like really we all get periods just consider what we've been talking about with endometriosis symptoms maybe they're struggling more than they realize and you could really help them out by sending them this podcast so until the next time